Good morning. It's such a privilege to be with you again. I just love these 20 minutes or so that we spend with each other each week. This morning, I want to talk to you about whether you and I as Christians are all in, or do we need a safety net just to make sure? So that's that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. I, I'm not sure whether you know a guy called Carl um, Wallander. I think that's how you pronounce his surname. Now, he um, is an amazing or was an amazing person who, who would do tightrope walking. And he would walk across buildings that were like 15 stories high. And he would walk between these two buildings on a tightrope. But what made this feat so amazing is that he never had a safety net. He never had a backup plan. So if he fell, if, if he slipped, if his foot slipped or he lost his balance or anything went wrong, there was no second chance. That was it. He would plummet to his death. And that is what made him so popular. That is why people came out to see him. Because he never had a plan B. I'm not sure whether you heard about um, a guy called Brad Gobright. He was a free soloist. Now, a free soloist is someone who climbs mountains <clears throat> without any safety ropes. You know, usually when these rock climbers climb up, they've got these safety ropes that they hook in. And, and if they would slip, they wouldn't fall too far because the rope would stop them. Now, now, this guy used to climb with no safety ropes. So if he would be halfway up a cliff and a rock would break, or if he would misstep in any way, he would plummet to his death. There was no backup plan. There was no safety net for him. Now, we might think these guys were crazy, and maybe they were, but that is what God is asking of you and I as Christians. He's saying, I want you to follow me and I want you to do what I'm calling you to do. And I don't want you to worry about a backup plan, about a safety net, about plan B, because I've sorted it. I've got it all under control. Now there's someone in scripture who did exactly that. Someone in scripture who emulated Carl and who emulated Brad. Someone in scripture that sometimes we, we just read past this passage and we think, well, pff, that's not really impressive. But boy, is this impressive what this guy does. And I want us to read together from 1 Kings 19 verses 19 to 21. So let's go to 1 Kings 19 verses 19 to 21. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Am I glad I don't have a name like Shaphat? But anyway, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, the reason why Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him it was basically a symbol of saying, I'm passing on the, this, this calling that I have from God onto the next generation. So Elisha was a prophet. And God had anointed Elisha as a prophet. 
and it was time for Elisha to, to end his stint as a prophet, and it was time for him to appoint someone to follow him up. And this wasn't an election that could have been rigged or anything like that. This was, this was God anointed. This was God appointed. So this was a symbol of Elijah saying to Elisha, you are going to follow me as the prophet of Israel. So he put his cloak around him. Elisha then left his auction and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So it's almost like Elijah was thinking, um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm dragging you away from your family. What, what have I done to you? So Elijah, uh, Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out following Elijah and became his attendant. So what is so impressive about this story? <clears throat> it's not, not that impressive. This guy has, has uh, got a new job and he's following. I want you to note what he does. I want you to think about this. Because sometimes we read passages in scripture and we look at the characters that we that, that are spoken about there, the people that are spoken about, and we almost divorce them from reality. We almost think, well, um, that's just the way they did things. I want you to remember that these were people with feelings and emotions. They loved their families. They loved their jobs. They loved doing and being in places that were familiar. Just like we are. There's nothing that's changed. And, and, and what does he do? I want you to remember that Elisha was a farmer at heart. He loved the land. He loved his animals. He loved his family. He loved being on the family farm, farming with his mom and dad. He loved doing this. That was what he knew. That was what he was comfortable with. That, that was his whole life. It was his existence. It's his purpose. But what does he do? He doesn't go and, and, and take his oxen and park them in a garage and, and put the plow there and, and make sure they're well looked after so that maybe one day he might come back and if things don't work out for him, he might come back and he might just take off where he left off. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He takes everything that he needs to be a farmer. And he gets rid of it. He has a braai. He has a barbecue. He slaughters the oxen. And him and everyone around him and all the farm workers and his family have a feast. They have a beautiful barbecue. I can just imagine the smell and the aromas rising up and the, and the neighbors coming around and say, hey, Elisha, can we join you? What's happening? He gets rid of everything that links him to his past because all he's doing now is focusing on his future. He burns the plows. The very equipment, it's like, it's like a farmer taking, taking his, um, his tractors and his, 
his, um, his vehicles on the farm and his animals and, and, and slaughtering them and having a feast and, and having nothing to come back to. That's it. That, that was the end of that. No plan B. He didn't decide, well, you know what? If, if, if I'm going to become a prophet, I first need to go and study theology, maybe because that's going to prepare me for what I need to do. I need a degree so that I can fall back on that in case this whole God calling thing doesn't work. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not for me. I don't know. He didn't decide, well, maybe I need to work a little harder and, and, and maybe just for two years do some work and put a bit of money in the bank and get a little bit of interest so that if things don't work out, I can come back. I've got a plan B. I can come back and, and I can just maybe buy a few more oxen and start over again. I'm investing in my future. I've got a plan B because maybe God's got this wrong. Who knows? He didn't do any of these things. He didn't have a plan B. To him, this was it. To him, this was the tightrope that he was walking. If it didn't work, there was no plan B. To him, this was the cliff that he was going to scale. If it didn't work, there was no plan B. And we might ask ourselves, well, how does that apply to me today? What, what has that got to do with me? The thing is, when God calls you and I, and let me tell you, not if God calls you and I, because God does call you and I. As Christians, we are called. There's no, maybe God doesn't have a calling for me. As a Christian, you've got a calling on your life. As a Christian, you've got a purpose that God has ordained on your life. As a Christian, you've got an anointing on your life. Now, it's up to you whether you are going to stick around and first try and put things in place or whether you're going to say, God, this is it. It's sink or swim. I'm going with you. It's, it's no safety net. I'm just going to do this. There's nothing I'm going to fall back onto. Nothing at all. You don't need to wait until you feel that you are ready. So here's the first thing. As Christians, as a Christian, you and I have got a calling. There's no doubt about it. It's not some Christians have got callings and others don't. We have a calling to reflect the love and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in this world. We have a calling to go out and make disciples of all nations. We have that calling. There's no, oh, that's for pastors to do, or that's for those people to do. Every single one of us have got that calling. We have got a calling. If we believe in Jesus Christ, and we believe in God the Father, and we believe in the Holy Spirit, it is our calling to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. God is calling us to feed the hungry. He's calling us to, to witness to those who are lost. He's calling us to look after the orphans, to look after the widows. He's calling us to put our faith into practice. Now, we can't say 
like so many of us do all the time. We can't say, God, I'll do it when I'm ready. I'll do it when I've got enough money in the bank because I can fall back on plan B then. Or, or God, I'll do it when, when I've studied theology and I think I know a little bit more about what I need to know. All you need is the Holy Spirit in your life. I can tell you I, I, I've got a master's degree in theology and I can't even think how that helped me in any way because I don't need any of that stuff that I learned. All I need is God to encourage me, to be with me, and his Holy Spirit to keep me focused. That's all you need. So this whole thing where we think, well, if God calls us, no, God has called you. And this whole thing of, I will first get ready and then I'll go. God doesn't need you to be ready. He doesn't need your readiness. Who do we think we are that God needs anything from us? but he chooses to use us. He doesn't need our readiness. He will make us ready as we go along. When he places his cloak on you and I, which he does, and he calls us to be the next generation to go and make a difference in this world. Guys, we need to accept that. And we need to move forward and we need to stop thinking, I need a plan B. Think about Moses. Moses, his life was an absolute mess. He was a murderer. He just was a bad person, actually. And then he ended up looking after his, his father-in-law's sheep or cattle. And he, and he was roaming around in the desert, and he was like nobody really in society. And, and what happened? God calls him in the wilderness and said, Moses, I need you to go and do something big. I need you to go get a million plus Israelites out of Egypt, and I need you to take them to the promised land. And the first thing Moses does is he looks for excuses, but God, no, you've got the wrong person here. Don't question God when he calls you because he is calling you and he has called you and you need to listen to his calling. Because Moses said, well, God, I'm not the person. I can't speak properly. I'm not ready to go and do what you're calling me to do. This is, this is a, a ridiculous task. And God said, hey, don't argue with me. This is what you need to do. I will sort things out for you along the way. You just go. I will make you ready as you go along. And that's exactly what God did. So let's stop doubting how great God is. Let's stop trying to work out a plan B because maybe that's what we need if things don't work. The second thing is when God calls you, you and I need to burn our plows and we need to go and slaughter our oxen. We need to let go of plan B. You and I don't need to create our own safety net. By the way, if you were a tightrope walker, and you had to create a safety net for yourself. Would you be the one to create that net and know that it's safe? Or would you leave it in the hands of someone who knew what they were doing? Just a question to think about. So as Christians, when God calls us, we need to burn our plows from the past. We need to get rid of the oxen from the past. We need to leave behind our comfort zones. 
we need to leave behind everything that we think is important and we need to move in a direction to where God is telling us, this is where I want you to go because this is your new important. This is your new life. This is what I have for you. Stop looking back. Stop trying to, to think I need to go back. Maybe one day I'm going to keep this safe there. Get rid of it. Move on. It's a new day. It's a new life. God is calling you to stop holding back. And it's a scary thing. Because when God calls you, you are totally out of your depth. You're in a place where you've never been before. You're in a place that's outside of your comfort zone. You're in a place where actually you don't have a clue what you're doing. But that's okay because God does. We don't need to worry about that. I want to, I want to use Saul as an example here. Saul used to stand around and hold the cloaks of people who were stoning Christians to death. Paul hated Christians. Paul hated God. Paul hated Jesus. He didn't have time for them. He didn't want anything to do with him. Now, boy, if, if that is my past, then I can't see how God would ever want to use me. But God thought differently. God said, well, Saul, you persecuted. <clears throat> you persecuted the church. You persecuted me. You hated me. But I want you to forget the past. I want you to stop hanging on to your failures and to the bad things you've done. and to Stop thinking that you are useless. And I want to use you. And what did God do? He changed Saul into Paul. He was a brand new creation. He was a brand new man. All the old things were gone. And look, God made everything new. <clears throat> and you're in my life. I don't want to go into detail about things I've done in my past because it will shock you and you probably would never want to listen to me again. But I've got a shocking past. But I don't care about that anymore. I don't look back at the things I've done. I know God has forgiven me for that. I don't need to go back there. I don't need to go and plow the, the disgusting land of my past I don't need the oxen and the plow to go and keep on bringing up all these terrible things. All I want to do is move forward. I've burnt the past. I've let go of it. I've handed it over to God because that's what we need to do. We need to bring our pain and our issues and our scars to the cross. And Jesus deals with it. It's gone. I don't need that anymore. So the second thing is when God calls you and I, Burn the past. That past might be something bad you've done and you feel you can't be used by God. Burn it. It might be something where you feel, I need this. I need this for, as, a, as, a, as, as a source of survival. I need it. Burn it. God's calling you to new things. And you cannot grab onto new things if you're still holding on to old things. <coughs> Thirdly, how does this apply to me? When God calls you and I, he requires us 
to trust him completely. Trust him. God is saying, hey, you don't need to worry about anything. You don't need to worry about your past. You don't need to worry about whether you're ready. You don't need to get people to to be your safety net. You don't need a man-made concocted plan to make you feel safe. God is your safety net. God is my safety net. And that's the only safety net I ever want. Because people will disappoint us. But God will never disappoint us. Now, I don't want you to think that a safety net, God being our safety net, means that we won't face challenges. Man, there are going to be times as a Christian where it seems as if you're plummeting to your death because everything just seems to be falling out underneath. It feels as if the ground is opening up underneath you and you're just falling because things are going wrong. There are going to be challenges. I want to say to you that it doesn't mean you won't feel weak. There are going to be times when you, when you are weak as you are approaching this purpose that God has for your life, as you are living this purpose that God has for your life. Look at Peter. He denied Jesus, and he loved Jesus with his whole heart. He denied him. Look at David. He messed up badly, and, and, and David is called a man after God's own heart. We're going to be weak. There are going to be times when we mess up. But let's fix that. Burn those plows and move on. When God is your safety net, it doesn't mean that you and I are not going to be persecuted for what we believe. Because when we stand up and we step up and we move onto that tightrope or we move up that sheer cliff without, without safety harnesses, Gonna, there's going to be people who laugh at us. There's going to be people who persecute us. Look at Noah. God called him to do something, and he was 500 years old. I mean, when I'm 500, I want to be retired. <laughs> and people were laughing at him. People were mocking him. People were, were, were ridiculing him. Look at Jesus. He was spat on. He was sworn at. He was laughed at. He was beaten. He was bashed up he was crucified people persecuted him god people persecuted the son of god so if you and i think that having god as our safety net is going to stop us from being persecuted i want to i want to say it doesn't work that way having god as our safety net doesn't mean everything is going to work out for us the way we want it to work out so we're never going to be sick. We're always going to have lots of money. All those things are going to, it doesn't work like that. Because those are things we, we want as safety net. When God is our safety net, it doesn't even mean that it won't cost you your life. There are Christians around the world who are being executed for their faith. And you know what? When, when, when God came and put that cloak over them and said, you are now anointed, you are now the one who needs to go out and make a difference in this world. You need to be my hands and feet. They could have walked away and they could have still been alive today. Yet they chose to take that calling seriously 
and to know that God is their safety net. It might cost you your life. And I think I shared this before, but in this little Indian village, there was an Indian man, I think his surname was Singh, and he wrote, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I don't have a plan B. I don't have a backup plan. I'm not interested in having a backup plan. I know that God has called me to this. And you know, the, the chief of that village actually executed this man and his entire family because they would not denounce God. There's no turning back. The song that he wrote said that I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And he did not turn back. He did not go back to his past because he had burnt his plows. He had sacrificed his animals. He barbecued them. He's done what he needed to do. He dealt with everything in the past and all he could see was his future. All he could see was the finish line. Now you might think, well, how did that work out for him? That was a bit crazy. So what's the point of doing this? How does that work out for you? Well, I want to remind you that this life on earth is but a smidgen of what is lying ahead. It's a smidgen. I want to use an example that um, um, Francis Chan uses in one of his messages. Very short message. So basically, he takes a very long string, very long piece of rope, actually. And on the tip of that rope, he colors it in red. Just that little tippy. And the rest of the rope is just like on the stage there. And he says, this is our life on earth. This is eternity. Why do we put so much effort? Why do we focus so much on this? When we should be focusing on eternity. What we do here will determine where we are there. What a powerful illustration. So you might ask, well, what's the point of, of, of following my calling if it's going to cost me my life, maybe? Now, it probably won't, but even if it does. Look at Stephen. Stephen, in Scripture, was an amazing man. The Bible doesn't talk that much about him. But what it does show is he didn't turn back. He was like this Indian guy. He didn't turn back. He followed Jesus. He worshipped God. And it cost him his life. So how was God a safety net for him? Because it cost him his life. How does that work? Let me tell you. The guys we spoke about earlier on, Carl and Brad, the tightrope walker, the free soloist. Both of them plummeted to their death. But you know what they did? They did and they enjoyed their life doing what they felt was their calling. Even if it cost them their life. 
Now, this sounds crazy, but to them, it might have been worth it. Now, I don't know if they knew the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and I pray that they did. But, man, let's stop trying to build a safety net for ourselves. Let's stop trying to, to hang on to the past because that's where we feel safe and comfortable. Let's stop with this plan B story. God doesn't need us to have a plan B. He's got a plan A for our lives. That's the best plan. That's the purpose he has for us. And even if it costs our life, even like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said to Nebuchadnezzar, even if our God does not save us from the flames of this fire, we will serve him and him alone. Even if the safety net that God has for us doesn't save our physical lives. We have got far more important things to worry about than that. And that's our spiritual life. That is our soul. It's about putting the whole world behind me and putting the cross before me. It's about knowing that God has got this. God is walking ahead of me. God has taken my past. God is walking beside me and he's taking me into the promised land, a place where he has a purpose and an exciting life for me, a life of adventure that's going to make me want to jump up in the morning and it's going to keep me awake at night because that's my purpose in life. And I don't want anything else for myself. And if it means that my life needs to end here on earth, cool. I'm going to be in eternity with God forever. That's my safety net. My soul is safe in the hands of God. I don't need a plan B. I don't need people to tell me I need to do this or that. I don't care whether my faith in God costs me my physical life because my soul is in the safety net of God's hands. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got your soul in his hand. If you would entrust it to him and say to him this morning, Father God, I trust you. I don't want a plan B. I don't want to trust in people. I don't want to trust in my own skills. I don't want my comfort zone anymore. I want what you are calling me to. Let's do that this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. I thank you, Father, that you are in control and you've got this whole world in your hand. And I pray, Father God, for every single one who is listening this morning, who is a Christian, that we will stop going back to plan B and stop going back and put our hands on the plow and stop going back and plowing the land and looking at the things of the past. But they'll put that behind us, that we'll burn the plows, that we'll move forward into everything that you have called us to, that we will happily accept the cloak that you are laying on us and that we'll go forward and be your hands and feet in this world, even if it costs us our lives. Because we know our souls are safe in your safety net. And Father God, I pray for every single person listening this morning who does not know you. Father, I pray through your Holy Spirit that you would work in their hearts. 
that you would make them understand that this life is nothing compared to eternity. And that spending eternity without you is something that we need to seriously consider while we're living this life. Because this is the period of grace. While our heart is beating, while our pulse is still pulsating, while we are breathing, this is our time of grace. This is the opportunity you're giving us to accept you, Lord Jesus, as our personal savior. So that we can put our souls into your safety net and know that everything is going to be okay. Everything will be all right. It doesn't mean our lives are going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that, that, that we aren't going to be hurt. It doesn't mean that we're not going to get sick. It doesn't mean that it's probably going to cost us our lives maybe one day. It doesn't matter because our soul is in your hands. So, Father, for those who don't know you, I pray right now that they will accept you, Lord Jesus. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, please accept him into your heart right now. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me. I thank you that you paid the ultimate price. We know that your word says the wages of sin is death, eternal death, death without our soul being in your safety net. But when we accept you, Lord Jesus, our soul is safe. Our future is safe. I want to accept you, Lord Jesus, as my personal savior. I know that you died for me. I know that you love me. And I know that now I am your child, Father God. Help me to live a life that reflects you. Please forgive my sins. Help me not to go back and unplow that land of hurt and pain and mess up. Help me to focus on the future and help me to be who you created me to be with a purpose, with a cloak on me, where I'm anointed to be everything you've called me to be. Thank you that I am now a child of the one true King. I praise you and I worship you. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, you are now part of God's family. Your soul is safe in God's safety net. You don't need to freak out about things that are going to happen in your life. And I'm telling you, tough things will happen. This nonsense that's been preached that when you accept Jesus into your life, everything's going to fall into place is not true. In fact, things are probably going to get tough now because Satan knows he's lost another soul. And he's going to attack you. And he's going to look for your weak points. But thank God that the blood of Jesus is far stronger than the lies of Satan. So hang on to that. Don't look back. Move forward. Live your life of purpose and make a difference. You can impact this world through the strength and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that is in you. God bless you all. Thank you so much for listening this morning. And I pray God's richest blessings on you. Have an amazing day. God bless you.